strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Then zone for Fitz. Goes up and makes the game-winning catch. Larry Legend does it again. The Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! We start with two words. What if? Three weeks from tonight, Ron Wolfley, the 2021 NFL draft will commence in Cleveland. You're going to go Socratic, Paul? So every single sentence basically starts with the words, what if, right about now as we near mid-April. What if Kyler Murray broke the huddle this season, Ron Wolfley, and 11 personnel? And at one receiver on the outside is DeAndre Hopkins, and at the other receiver at the other side outside, A.J. Green, and in the slot, Christian Kirk. Okay, check that box. Did I mention it's 11 personnel? Because at tight end, what if... It was Kyle Pitts, the rookie out of Florida. How about that, Paulie? 11 personnel right there. One back, one tight end, three wide receivers, and it was Kyle Pitts. You know what? I don't like that, Paul. I don't like that 11 <laughs> personnel with Kyle Pitts at tight end. And the reason why I don't like it is he's not a stud tight end. He's oh. not a guy that's going to move somebody off the ball. Now, if you're talking George Kittle, now all of a sudden you got a guy like George Kittle that can obviously catch the ball, make plays down the field, but also is an excellent blocker. 11 personnel, Maybe you're talking 12 personnel, Polly. One back, two tight ends with Kyle Pitts as one of those tight ends. Maybe the move tight end. Is that what you're talking about, Polly? No, and I'm not the one talking. <laughs> uh, see, I'm not the one who's talking about it here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. My guy, Peter Schrager who you tried to poach two years ago as your guy, Peter Schrager, <laughs> in the lobby of that hotel on the I road. I did not. My guy, Peter Schrager, who you honed in on our conversation while we are having some coffee that Sunday morning, uh, he's the one proposing this trade. We'll get into it a little bit later. Let's just say he's saying that Steve Kime will join the rest of the division and trade away future first-round picks to make this happen, a move up to number seven, a trade with Alliance. So that's that's well, first one of all, wait a minute, Bali. Are you talking about a mock draft? You're talking about a mock draft here. First of all, it's all just mock drafts this tra- time of year. Paulino, without trades, just think about it right now. How accurate are mock drafts without trades? <laughs> um, now we're going to go ahead and we're going to throw in the trade possibility. I'm glad you asked because VP of Media Relations, Mark Dalton, I believe he has crunched the numbers historically <laughs> over the last couple of decades. Yes, he and, has. And last conversation with Mark, I believe the figure was 2.7 picks per 32 in the first round typically are correct think about that so in the first round we got somebody out there doing four round mocks it's a low percentage although this year (laughs) with the quarterback about an exercise in futility paul okay so what about this a little bit later here in the big red rage not only do we have frank sanders coming our way former cardinals receiving great who always brings some outstanding analysis we had to book him again well done good get by our jim omohundro but 
We're going to hear from Ron Wolfley from the Larry Fitzgerald Update Desk. Are we not, Wolf? You have something for us? You have a headline that's ready to be made here on the Big Red Rage? I have no idea what you're talking about, but I will tell you right well, now, if you get if you go ahead and move up to get Kyle Pitts, you might as well just go 10 personnel. Isn't that what you're in already? Yeah, pretty much. You're right. You're 10 right. personnel, Paulie. I'm just saying. Let's go. Here we go. You lost Dan Arnold, who now is going to be catching passes from Sam Darnold. So Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold is what's going on in Carolina. That's so good, but, Paul. But what we have here are is this story on CBSSports.com, and the headline screams, top remaining NFL free agents at each position, and it continues with a subheadline, James Conner, Larry Fitzgerald, headline the big Ooh. names left. Really? We're just getting rolling on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Each team with a timeout. A minute four to go in a tie game here in overtime. 34 apiece. Got to get a stop here. Third and 14. Play clock at one. Snap to Wilson. Quick throw over the middle. Picked off. It's intercepted at the 40-yard line. Isaiah Simmons has it. Running far side of the 45. Out of bounds at the 50-yard line. 57 seconds left. Cardinals have the ball and a timeout. The rookie made a play. Isaiah Simmons is right there with the sweet hands. What a catch by Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, that's no doubt the play of his rookie year, although he made plays in both games against the Seahawks. Obviously, that interception, that was critical in overtime, a big-time win by the Cardinals in Week 7, 37-34, game where they trailed 10-0, 27-14, 34-24. They come back to beat Seattle, and then the Week 11 loss at the Seahawks. That was a game, remember, Wolf, he had a team-high 10 tackles and a sack. Isaiah Simmons, the Cardinals' first-round pick a year ago. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, and we are three weeks away from the NFL draft. The Cardinals and Niners, the only teams in the division, Wolf, with first-round picks at their disposal right now. Yeah, no doubt, Paulie. And just listening to you talk about the draft, it does make me think of Isaiah Simmons. It makes me think of his rookie year, of course, last year. And you know, Paulie, going into that season, I just wanted to see from Isaiah Simmons that he was a willing participant, a guy that would take his face and stick it right into the fire. I talked about this over and over and over again. Does he have the physicality? We knew He's got all the playmaking talent, all the playmaking skills you could possibly want from a guy that is kind of a tweener linebacker himself, a strong safety hybrid, if you will, that you can actually stick in the box. But man, what about his physicality? And I can tell you right now, that was a pleasant surprise to me. A mild surprise, but a pleasant surprise. Isaiah Simmons has got no problem whatsoever sticking his face into the fan. And it's no surprise that Devondre Campbell is still unsigned in free agency. That is Isaiah Simmons' position this year right alongside Jordan Hicks. Not to say Vance Joseph won't continue to use him in a variety of roles and that position flexibility. So, okay, we have Isaiah Simmons. Real quick, Wolf, give me a couple of thumbnails before we get to Frank Sanders on some of the other rookies the Cardinals came away with in last year's draft. For example, in order of selection, round three, Josh 
Jones. What do you make of that selection? Yeah, right now? that's great, Paulie. Listen, Josh Jones, everybody was raving about the fact the Arizona Cardinals got Josh Jones in the third round. And that, once again, was just from a, a talent perspective. Do I think this guy is going to be a starter at some point in time? I do. Do I think it's going to be this year? I don't, Paulie. I don't. I do think they're going to line him up at right guard. They're going to give him the opportunity to go out there, get some reps at tackle as well behind Calvin Beecham. But I think this is a perfect situation for any offensive lineman that's hyper-talented the way that Josh Jones is, but has got to ease his way into the NFL game. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen with Josh Jones, and I think it's going to benefit him greatly to be able to watch a guy like Calvin Beecham go about his business, go about his job. Maybe Josh Jones is going to get some reps inside at guard. I know the Arizona Cardinals have talked about that uh, from time to time, lining him up there, letting him compete for that open position. And we'll see where that goes. But, yeah, Paulie, I think for the most part, Josh Jones is still a question mark. Maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons they haven't been all that aggressive in free agency when it comes to tight end is because Josh Jones could be that six offensive lineman slash tight end in some obvious rundown situations. They did that a few times last year. I wonder if they liked it. We know that he has upside. I, I mean, the stat I remember as Pro Football Focus had him rated as the 14th best player in the entire draft. Mm. And he went in round three. So, okay, we'll see whether that comes to fruition this year. I'm with you, Wolf. Probably not. Maybe a year three for Josh Jones. But yeah. I think they do find roles for him. What about the two defensive linemen in round four, Lucky Foto and Rashard Lawrence? What would you make of those guys? Both dealt yeah. with injuries at times. No, honestly, Paulie, I think Lucky Foto and Rashard Lawrence was really – set back because of the injury situation. Yep. There's no doubt about that, Paulie. He really, his growth was stunted. But Lecky Foto is a guy that I really think he flashed from time to time. You're talking about a rookie once again easing his way into the National Football League. Paul, would you say playing in the National Football League is an easy thing to do? It is not. Especially when you're a defensive lineman and you're playing against the very best offensive lineman the football universe has to offer. I think Lecky Fotu made a lot of strides last year, but once again, here's a guy that I think is going to get better this year, and he's going to contribute with more snaps in that rotation defensively. Rashard Lawrence, that's more of a question mark. Yeah. Well, then you had Evan Weaver, and obviously he spent most of the year on the practice squad. Eno Benjamin, same deal uh, for the most part. Not necessarily practice squad, but he, he didn't dress on game day. We'll talk a little bit later in this show about where the Cardinals are at running back, but what about free agency in general? I, you know, we had this discussion on Cardinals Underground, the podcast, and the consensus was the Cardinals are done in free agency for right now. Between now and the draft, they're done in free agency. And then based on what comes to be in the draft, then maybe they target uh, a remaining free agent or two at the most. But when you have tight ends out there, guys like Tyler Eifert, when you have corners out there, Wolf, when you have some veteran running yeah. backs out there, is there anybody you think enticing yeah. enough there might be a time-time move before the draft? I, I would say at the running back position right now, he's pretty much addressed like every position I think they need to going into the draft, and that's really something that I think you want to do as a general manager. Address your needs so you don't go in there desperate on draft day to get a guy, and suddenly you start overdrafting somebody. They want to avoid that like the plague. Maybe a veteran running back, Polly, bringing him in. I think that's the one move out there via free agency we might see. 
What does Frank Sanders see in his crystal football, if you will? What about the Cardinals' big moves at receiver, a position he played? What about the Cardinals' big move at corner and maybe another one to come in the draft, a position he used to compete against? Frank Sanders, former Cardinals great, next on the Big Red Rage. Effort by Frank Sanders. Plummer looks. Plummer throws to the far side. Sanders makes the catch. Frank Sanders, I'll tell you what, he's everything. He's made all the big plays. Plummer back to throw again. He's going to wind up. He's going to go deep. Far side of the field. Sanders makes the catch and scores. Plummer, a five-step drop. And he lobs one of the left Rolling right, going to fire to the right, caught by Sanders, touchdown Cardinals! It's a four-yard touchdown, and the Cardinals in command! That sounds like a 16-year-old Dave Pash. <laughs> that, that's outstanding. I mean, right there with the highlights themselves was the voice of the Cardinals, Dave Pash there, with some Frank Sanders highlights that our Jim Omahunra pulled out of his vast archives. As we say, welcome in to the former Cardinals receiving great round two pick, 1995, Ron Wolfley, 47th overall out of Auburn. I think of Frank Sanders. I think of a guy who made the money catches. I think of yards after catch. I think of a real dual sport baseball player in college, unlike you, Wolf, allegedly in high school and the whole All-State thing, right, which has never been Three verified. times, Paulie. And, and I, I think of Frank Sanders and how we couldn't wait to next next month's Cardinals charity golf tournament for all the alums. we got to talk ball with Frank Sanders now. Frank, how are we doing? Frankie. Hey, brothers, how y'all doing? <laughs> and it's good, Frankie, honestly. How are you doing through this whole pandemic thing, man? Are you and the family okay? Man, you know what? That is a... It, we have been really blessed and fortunate. Um, not that anybody else who has gone through it haven't been blessed or pretty fortunate, but we've been pretty pretty blessed, man, in regards to um, not really getting it, uh, not getting sick. Um, we haven't had any one on ventilators or nothing like that, so we've been pretty good for the most part. I've already taken my second shot. Uh, I got three daughters, one 18, 17, and 13, and uh, 18 and 17 is coming up for their their opportunity so uh we're looking forward to it and uh we've been pretty 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 fortunate in a lot of ways uh because there's a lot of people that's been hurt by that great to hear break yeah that's outstanding great no doubt and, and your social distancing plan of a lot of golf that, that does, does doesn't hurt either <laughs> right frank I'm, I'm guessing right i just, just want to say one of the things i can give you know the governor a big hug for is not putting golf on restrictions and that was definitely in the list uh <laughs> you still right. can do Yep. You know, a social distancing. So I, uh, I'm going to give Big Doug a big hug for that yeah. because I really appreciated that. <laughs> so what do you view made of the Cardinals offseason so far? And let's just start with the headliner, J.J. Watt. And, and not only what he's done, obviously, on the field and what he did last season, but when the decision makers cite his energy and his intensity and his leadership, how, how you tell us, you've been on the inside of those locker rooms. How big a deal is that? You know what, you know, just – first question i i felt like fantasy football all over again i just felt like we sat around a round table and we tried to figure out you know who we could get what names we could bring to the table and if they had you know just they brought some experience and some energy into the locker room what names could we get and bring in and i mean i think the cardinals have done an exceptional job and going out and getting some um just not some name guys but some guys that still got some gas in the tank 
and guys that can you know that can that can really change uh, their not only their fate but they can change the fate of the Cardinals. You know, Frankie, wide receivers know wide receivers, so I'm going to stay right there. A.J. Green. How about A.J. Green? Your thoughts on him becoming an Arizona Cardinal this offseason? I mean, I, I, it's, it's, again, it blows my mind. I just, I would have never saw that coming. I'd have never saw DeAndre Hopkins being here. I'd have never saw J.J. Watt here. Um, I just, I can't imagine how excited he has to be in transition to come to a team where he knows they're going to throw the rock. He's not he's not solo by himself out there as the as the long you know as the long ranger out there as the number one guy um, in regards to on on on, the, on Cincinnati's offense. But just to have to have AJ Green here to watch what his skill set is, he can get in out of cut. He still has some burst to him. He, you know he can make all the catches. He runs all the routes. He just hasn't been on a good team where he can be truly truly you know used and explode. A big as explosive as he can. Um, I just again, Frankie can. Can you put into words for anybody listening right now what it means to have a a really good wide receiver? Dare I say a great wide receiver on the opposite side of the field from you? What kind of impact does that typically have on on game day? Yeah, I mean, it gives you it gives you to have somebody else on the other side you know that's got that same level of energy, talent, confidence and that dog in them. Look, you just it makes it makes your job that much easier because you know the defensive coordinator cannot double you. Um he cannot he has to give you one-on-one with this guy that they're paying 7 to 12 million dollars and they told me that this week in practice he was good. I tell you what, I'm about to get I'm about to give him some popcorn right now because I'm about to eat his, I'm about to eat his lunch. <laughs> that's how you start thinking as a receiver because you know that's a one-on-one situation. And to have, because you got somebody on the other side, I was blessed to have Rob Moore and David Boston on the other side of me, and both of those guys were 1,000-plus yard receivers, and they just made my job that much easier. Well, J.J. Watt was asked uh, how much he felt like he had left in the tank, and he spent the press conference. He was effusive. He had a lot to say in every single question and answer, right? But then when he was asked that question, he paused, and he looked the interviewee right in the eye, and he said, you know what, a lot, a whole lot. And that's all he said about that one. A.J. Green was asked how much he feels he has left. I feel like I have a lot left in the tank. You know, I still feel feel young. Legs feel young. You know, last year was a difficult year for me playing with – uh, these different quarterbacks coming off an of injury, but you know I wouldn't change that for anything in the world. I think that that made me a better person, you know, on the field, mentally stronger. But I know I feel like I got a lot more years left in me. So, Frank, let me ask you this. You know, here he is. He's in his 30s. He obviously doesn't have the blazing speed he had in you know his early 20s. How does that transition though? with all the experience and AJ Green now at this point in his career, is he a different receiver automatically? What do you expect? You know, I, I think that the experience in itself uh, slows the game down. Um, the game plan, he doesn't have to, you know, cram to try to figure out what he's doing. He understands his position. He can breathe a lot easier uh, while he's playing the game. Uh, that allows him to relax more. Um, you don't have to have blazing speed in the NFL. You just have to have you – have, you have to know how to get in and out your cuts and how to set up how to set up the defense or the defender that allows you to have that window where the quarterback can make the throw. Um, so to me, what he what he has in the tank. Remember, guys, these are guys that have been on mostly losing teams, so they don't mm-hmm. they haven't they haven't seen the depth of the playoffs. They haven't had to go out and really and really play seventy play games all the time. Defensively, JJ Watt had to because they were out there a lot. But 
most of these guys haven't seen long-term uh, seasons. They've been 17 weeks and done. They have not seen that. So they got some gas in the tank, and I believe that when they say that because they changing a new environment, something about it makes you feel refreshed and makes you feel yes. like you got something else to do and prove. And when you got something to prove, you're going to lose probably about three to seven pounds. You're going <laughs> to do a little bit more. You don't do the Ron Wolfley breakfast. Yes, Raw eggs in the morning with milk. It's just a little <laughs> bit of that stuff. You don't do extra crunch, extra sit up because when you got something to prove, you got something to prove, and you definitely want the haters to eat all that words that they said to you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Frank, Frankie. just don't just don't put the words weight loss and Ron Wolfley in the same sentence. It's okay? so funny though, Frankie, to listen to you talk about this because you know what it was like. You went to the Baltimore yeah. Ravens. You went there yeah. after spending your vast career here with the Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals, and I did the same thing. I went to the Cleveland Browns, and I, I'll never forget. It was like hitting the reset button all over again. It was like walking yeah. in for the first time into that locker room. Okay, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to. Oh, and especially you, I'm going to prove. It too, right? I mean, it can be a refresh button for a player, can it? It, it really is. When I got to the, when I got to the Ravens, Chris McCallis was there, and mm. you know, I thought to myself, he was supposed to be one of the best cornerbacks in the country. Well, we're about to find out <laughs> today and every day. And this is the Ravens defense that they've been talking about. Right. I'm about to murder Ed Reed. I'm about to murder Chris McAllister. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I get, this is a work day for me every day because I know how we practice here, trying to win games. They didn't practice anywhere close to that level because they were winners <laughs> and they knew it. So to me, I was trying to prove that I'm a winner too. That's right. I'm here to add to the table. So I definitely understand you, Ron, because you know what it is, man. You always, yeah. there's something special about the game. And it's called competition. And competition is supposed to make you better. And if it doesn't make you better, it's going to expose that you you that dude or you not that dude. Yeah. And when you get a new when you get a chance to go to a new place and you remember who you were and they brought you in to prove are you that dude or where, or where you has been. And I think these guys got so much to prove that they are that dude and they and they and they want to bring. They want to bring something to the table. Agreed, man. It's all about you, Frank Sanders, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert here on the Big Red Rage. All right, you mentioned cornerback. Uh, how about 30-year-old Patrick Peterson moving on, 30-year-old Malcolm Butler coming in. He'll be 31 this season. Malcolm Butler says, Frank, he's coming off his best season, period, in the NFL. What do you think about the Cardinals filling the Pat P void with Malcolm Butler? You know what? I think that you know that Pat P had a lot on his shoulders. Uh, I mean, he earned it. He earned it when his you know, first couple of years that he was here. Uh, he was absolutely a stud across the board. And uh, then a couple of things happened. I don't know what, you know, his his relationship or his play on the field wasn't as, as spectacular as it needed to be. I talked to Pat P. probably, I uh, played golf with him probably about two weeks ago. Of course. He, he felt like there, there was a change that needed to happen, whether it was with the organization or him, but it was a change that needed to happen. So, And that's a good thing sometimes. Sometimes you get into places and – you know, you, you need those changes. Replacing them with Malcolm Butler. Uh, we said this earlier. Experience sometimes uh, makes a big difference. Malcolm Butler is a you know world champ. He's Super Bowl champ. He's got some. He's got some. He's got some learn. He's, he's learned a lot how to play the game, how to get ready for a Sunday competition, and sometimes having that experience um, in that position. You're just removing a name, but you're bringing experience. So in that, in, that, in that regards, everyone has to take ownership. How about this here? Maybe some guys are slacking because we had Pat P 
or Patrick Pat, Pat we call him Pat P Pat P on the other side. Mm. Maybe they was giving them too much room. Maybe they was taking maybe they was gutsy and gambling and they wasn't protecting them because that's Pat P. Well, when you get a Malcolm Butler, everyone now has to take ownership of their position. And that comes, you know, that's that's a good thing because now our defense has to actually, you know, some of these guys gotta take ownership of what happened last year and uh, and then actually and actually step up to the table. How'd it go on the golf course, you versus Pat P, by the way? Did, did you lighten his Vikings contract a little bit, Frank? Uh, I, I dug into his pocket a little bit, but he didn't stay long. He had went out and worked out that morning, and then we called him. He came in, and uh, his back was locked up. He said he had been training with a weight vest on, and uh, it, it showed on his first swing. I played with Patrick at his at his, uh, at his country club a couple times up at the rim, and, uh, look, the guy can play golf. He's a flat-out two-handicap. Uh, without a doubt, but yep. the other day he just he played like he was a twelve, and I needed all that money. I needed it all. <laughs> and, he, and he and he and he he supposedly taught himself off YouTube videos. I mean, it's criminal how athletic Pat P is. We'll come back with Frank Sanders and speak in a corner. If you think the Cardinals still need one, should they go the veteran route, free agency? Should they go the rookie route in the first round? That's next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Fake. Steps up, dances around, dodges around, throws it down the middle. It's caught by Sanders on the 40, to the 30, to the 25, on the 20. Still dodging people. Knocked down on the 15-yard line. Sanders makes a one-handed stab on a 58-yard pass play. Plummer steps back. Plummer's going to get knocked down. Oh, he hands the ball off to the right side to Morrell, and Morrell takes it in and scores. Aikman winds up, throws the ball deep in the middle of the field. It is intercepted. Back to the 35, to the 30 goes Tommy Bennett. On the 20, on the 15, on the 10, on the 5. He's knocked down on the Cowboy 2, and you can turn out the lights in Dallas. This one's over. Bring on the Vikings. And what about those wild cards? No one gave them a chance to win this football game. The wild cards with a wild card win circa 1998 playoffs at Dallas. I was there, Wolf. There were... All the Cowboy fans left Texas Stadium. It was about 200 Cardinal fans behind the Cardinals bench celebrating that victory. Frank Sanders, a huge part of that win. A huge season for Frank Sanders that year. Wolf, he led the NFC in receptions with 89. He had over 1,100 yards receiving, 13 yards a catch. He's our guest tonight on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. And what do you remember about that win? Real quick, Frank, give, give us a memory on that one. Because you had beaten Dallas the year before 97. That was the game where the goalposts came down and then left Sun Devil Stadium, went down Mill Avenue, ended up in the Salt River bed. But what about the playoff win at Dallas? Uh, on the team personally, uh, Aeneas Williams and his speech before when we was in the huddle, you guys get a chance to go back to that. He kept screaming, who with me? Because he kept saying, we got to take down the, you know, the, the giant. And he was using a biblical reference of David and Goliath. And he was like, who with me? Who with me? And everybody kept saying, we are. So I thought that was, you know, it's something about just sometimes the special moments like that when you're in the huddle and uh, the team comes up together and guys say certain things that kind of catch you off guard but it resonates in your soul. We went out and played our butts off. Uh, but I can honestly tell you one, two, a great moment was when we came back and we landed on that on, on the tarp. Yes. And to see the Cardinal fans that was there, uh, I mean, it just it gives chills to me right now. It makes me want to tear up because I think that sometimes uh, you, you, get the, you get the moment of how big the moment really is. 
You know, you just sometimes you know what it means while you're playing. You, it's your job. You're playing, but the people that's rooting for you and the fans are really who make what makes you know what makes the game what it is. And you know, I was I'm a fan of the game, so I'm a little I'm like the kid at heart, and it keeps us at heart. And I think that when we landed on that tarpon to see the fans that was out there and the flags and the cardinals and the big red raises out there it was pretty odd. Uh, that was pretty amazing. Frankie, we got to get into the draft here quickly, but as a former hey. player, I have to ask you this. What do you miss the most? <laughs> Mondays. <laughs> because of the check, right? That's good. Because That's of the good. check. That's good. Monday. You know what, honestly, I, that, you miss Mondays. Mondays is a payday. What you got that right. Uh, definitely when you get out of the game, you realize what a real check looks like and what an NFL check looks like. That's Monopoly money all the way across the board. But uh, you know what I miss? I miss running routes. I miss just running routes against air um, with the quarterback coming, you know, throwing the ball. And there was something about the NFL ball that transitions from the college ball real quick. You know, we don't have that stripe. But every every now and then, that new ball looks like this orb and a spear coming at you and sometimes it's dark it's brown it has that red you know that 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 pink skin little reddish color on it and everybody tries to wipe that stuff off but i miss running routes because that right there is it's like it's like ballet it's like dancing in the mirror and seeing yourself do something pretty special so i do i miss the route running because that's my art and i think that is the uh the essence of what a receiver is supposed to be as a route runner but he has to also catch I always say if you, you run a route so pretty and you don't catch the ball, you might as well go run track. That's and of course, awesome, Frank. And, and, of course, on game day, it's not against air. It's against the corners. And as I yeah. said going to break, I said, okay, if the Cardinals are still going to add a cornerback, you tell us, are you thinking veteran corner right now or are you targeting that guy in the first round, number 16 overall? And, and if so, you know, how much can you count on a rookie corner? What would you say to that? Because even Pat P wasn't Pat P his rookie year. Right. Um, you know, I think that there is something. Uh, a cornerback in the draft is a hit or miss situation because he has to come in and, he, you know, he can get exposed really fast. Ron, know, like, most, most of the time, this is the number one thing in the NFL that they come to try to take is your confidence. Mm-hmm. That's in practice. If they can steal your confidence in practice, we know 100% you're going to stink it up in the game. So you got to have a cornerback that is confident, whether he is getting beat or not, but he's confident enough to learn the game where he can come out and he can overcome some of his, his, his failures, but he has the athletic ability and the mentality to want to get better. You have to have that in the draft. And sometimes that's why I say cornerback is a hit-and-miss situation because you can get on a football field and just get dotted up the entire day. And once they steal your confidence, you know, you're going to need a psychiatrist to get that back. So – I would like to see us go continually bring experience in that allows us to have competition. Um, I mean, of course, the league has changed drastically because guys are not really practicing as much, but I like competition. And I think sometimes an experienced guy uh, brings that because he's hungry too and he wants that position. And if you get that, I think that'll help us. Uh, I think that'll help us a little bit more. Frankie, do you think it's easier to come in as a rookie corner and contribute more, though, than, let's say, a rookie wide receiver? I think it depends on the expectation of the coach. And I have to use that, you know, sparingly because, you know, if, you, if we Bill Belichick, you know, you're on special teams. I don't care what kind of starter you are, you're on special teams. So, rookie cornerback, typically, if, he doesn't, if he's not the guy that comes in and he's not the starter, he's going to be on special teams. And that's 
not necessarily that's grunt work. And if you're a first round draft pick and you got to do grunt work, you might not feel the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ron, right. You know what I'm talking about? You, you yeah, yeah, you know. When you're a prima donna, you just don't feel like doing that. So, um, but I really, I really, I think we do need to. I like bringing a rookie cornerback in as well. Trust me, but I like one that is confident in himself. He mm-hmm. has that ability to feel like I deserve to be here, or he's mad enough to feel like. Y'all should have drafted me early. Kwame Lasseter was like that. We didn't draft Kwame. Kwame was late. I mean, I think Kwame was an undrafted free agent. And he came in behind Terry Hogue and Andre Ware. When, you know, he had some guys to kind of fight through. But he believed he deserved to be there. And when he got the spot and the chance, he transitioned. And he mm-hmm. became the Kwame Lasseter that everyone knows. And that sometimes, you know, that's an undrafted guy. And that, that sometimes you you got to have a guy that has that mentality that believes he deserves to be there. And once you get that, you can do anything you want to do with him. Yeah, rest in peace, Kwame. No doubt. We loved his yeah, confidence. Uh, you know, if if Robert Alford is healthy, he's that guy, right, Wolf? He's ultra confident yeah. and will compete. We, we know that. What about receivers yeah. in this draft? As an SEC guy, I mean, I look at some of the names here, Frank, and we're on board with Frank Sanders here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. And, I, I mean, you list the top guys. They're all from the SEC, seemingly. Jamar Chase, LSU, Jalen Waddell, Alabama, Devontae Smith, Bama, Kadarius Toney from Florida, Terrence Marshall, LSU, Elijah Moore, Ole Miss. Is there a guy you really like in this draft? Uh, the top five names you just named, all five of them. <laughs> if, we, if we can go one, two, three, four, and five with receivers, I'd be just happy. To, come on, guys, let's quit kidding ourselves. We know Cliff want to throw the ball, period. We don't want to run the ball. We want to throw the ball. And we need more receivers, and the more receivers we have, the more we, the more opportunities we can get out. And we got playmakers. We need playmakers that can get out and make plays. So I'm okay with the SEC. And if, how about this here? We're talking about the SEC and receivers which was known as a running conference. And now we got, you know, five of the top ten receivers that are coming out of the SEC that are capable, able, and exciting. So, to me, if we use our picks on some receivers, all I can say is Isabella's on notice, KJ's on notice, and anybody else that got drafted in the last two years, you don't notice because they, AJ's here, D-Hop's here, Chris, Christian, we haven't even seen the best of Christian. And I know he's he's – absolutely got a lot of gas in that tank. So, to me, I'm okay with going to get two more receivers out of the draft because I know for a fact Cliff wants to throw the ball. And you know you guys know that, too. Frankie, how would you feel, though, if, in fact, the Arizona Cardinals, oh, there they are at number 16, and they stay at number 16, and suddenly there's Najee Harris. Would you be okay with the Arizona Cardinals drafting running back Najee Harris from Alabama in the first round at 16? I think you can go get two or three running backs from Alabama and be happy with them because <laughs> these guys—they just know what they know how to run. They know how to run the ball, and uh, I'm definitely okay with that. We need a running back. We let go Kenyon Drake, and I thought he was—I thought he was a good fit for our system. I mean, I thought Chase Edmond is absolutely fabulous as well. Um, I would like to see—I would love to see us go get a tight end out of out of the draft, but I want—I want blocking tight ends, and if we can pick them up in the late rounds, yep. I want fat guys we can put on the edge that we know we can still add protection to the table. I don't want cute receivers, cute tight ends, because to me, you got cute, you got cute on the outside. And that's where he, you know, you, our quarterback seems to want to look. So, to me, I want fat boys that can block. 
and add to some add to add to the line. You know, I'm telling the truth. Ron. No, you are. You're right on it right now. Hey, listen. If you want to go with a fourth wide receiver, go with a fourth wide receiver. If you want to yes. go three wide in a tight end, get a real tight end so you've got some balance. You can run it and you can throw it. Hey, Frank, we yeah. got 30 seconds left here. I got to ask you the money question. You broke the news playing golf with Pat P. What about Larry Fitzgerald? Have you played golf with Fitz? What can you stink and tell us right now about his future? Man, Fitz, is, Fitz has been the most – he is Kaiser Soze somewhere in the country right now. This guy, is, he, is, he is not a football player, looking like a football player, somewhere in the country. And I have not had that wonderful opportunity playing with the brother, but – I know he's got a lot on his mind. He's got a lot on his plate. and uh, But we always know his heart right, is right here in Arizona yep. and where he wants to be. So that's, uh, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not to be questioned. You know, you know he loves us. And if it works out, it works out. And it'll be best for one of the greatest receivers to ever play the game. Frankie, you're the best, buddy. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. God bless you, buddy. Talk to you down the road. We love appreciate it. you Frank guys. And have a blessing. Back right after this on the Big Red Rage. Chase Edmonds in the backfield with Murray. Third down and one of the 29. Four receiver set. Shotgun snap. It's a run play right side. Big hole Edmonds, 25-20. 10-5 touchdown. The inside zone being run, and Chase Edmonds found the hole and to the house, baby. 29-yard touchdown run on third down and one for Chase Edmonds. All four of Chase Edmonds' touchdowns at MetLife, 20 yards or longer. That's Chase Edmonds this year against the Jets. We know what he did the year before with three touchdown runs of 20-plus yards at the Giants. You put Chase Edmonds in the Big Apple, and he's going to give you a big, big game. There's no doubt about it. Right now here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, Ron Wolfley, you have Chase Edmonds as your featured back. Chase Edmonds is the lone experienced running back on this Cardinals roster right now. Listen, you know the way I feel about Chase Edmonds, Polly. This guy is a football player through and through. A football player of the highest order first. I just wonder if he's big enough to go out there and be your every down back, right? Be your back that is going to carry the load and run down situations, first and 10, second and one to six. I don't know, Paulie. I think they need a change-up guy, a bigger guy. This is something you know I've been talking about all offseason. All the moves right now to become more physical, more physical as a team, and in particular, more physical on the line of scrimmage. Well, at some point in time, you're going to need somebody to line up somebody behind that offensive line and run the ball in a more physical fashion north and south in between the tackles chase Edmonds, of course you're going to play chase Edmonds. this guy is a great player you're going to play chase Edmonds, but hopefully as an addition to some other running back that you're going to bring in you're going to need that tandem most nfl teams have that tandem i think the arizona cardinals need a bruiser paul and look, we know the salary cap has been reduced to $182.5 million this year. So as of right now, and you can read about it at ACCardinals.com, our Kyle Odegaard broke it down, the cap hit for the Cardinals at the running back position is the lowest in the NFL. It's around $3 million right now for the entire running back room. Chase Edmonds, the only one who's making more than a million dollars, and he's barely making over a million dollars. And you have Eno Benjamin, Jonathan Ward, Kalfani Muhammad. Is this something you think is Steve Kimes' approach that maybe a rookie is added in the draft and then Cardinals hit camp? 
with the really young and inexpensive running back room? Or do you think some of these names still out there in free agency, James Conner, Todd Gurley, Duke Johnson, Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, Jarek McKinnon, do you think there's a veteran that's Man. coming via a time, time sign? You know, honestly, Paulie, I do not know, but I will tell you right now that of everybody you just mentioned right there, the one guy that I think might fit the bill for being a bruising running back, James Conner. Now, here's a guy, 6'1", 233 pounds. Paulie, that's a pretty big back right there. That's a big back, and that's a guy that also runs the ball in a physical way. He's going to choose to run you over as opposed to trying to run around you because he knows he just doesn't have the jets to typically get around you. So to me, there's a guy that raises my eyebrows and maybe a guy you could bring in that you wouldn't have to pay an awful lot of money for and maybe a a guy that would fit under the cap and yet he's going to give you everything he's got probably on a one-year contract. We'll see, but... And and by the way, how about his former running backs coach with the Steelers, James Saxon, is the Cardinals running backs coach, and then Sean Kugler with Steelers Connections. Yeah, yeah, Paulie, yeah. If that makes for a natural path to getting signed by the Cardinals late. I will say this quickly as well. I do have a dream, and that dream is somehow, someway, at the 49th pick, Javante Williams is there. Mm. Oh boy, five ten, two twenty-five. How does that feel, right there, Paul? Look, you don't have to ask me twice about young rookie legs at the running back position. There's just something about young, hungry, ferocious <laughs> oh. running backs who don't hesitate to stick it between the tackles. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm all on board for that. So it hurts they, to tackle them, Paul. Yeah. If it's if they stay young and running back, I'm good with that. Back to wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage after this. Pressure and taken down, and it is J.J. Watt. It's picked up in the air, running the other way with it is J.J. Watt, and he is going to go 80-plus yards for the touchdown. Ball is free, knocked around, and it's controlled by Watt. Picked up, running with it to the 40, to the 30, to the 20. He's gone. Touchdown. What can he do? Bortles with time. Pops, here comes Watt, and he breaks down Bortles in the end zone. J.J. Watt with the sack. Look out from behind. Here comes Watt, and second time he has gotten to the quarter. Stafford back to pass, looks, hooks out left side, intercepted by J.J. Watt, and he's going to take it in for a touchdown. J.J. Watt in the news this week. Just the similarities and parallels to a guy he idolized when he was a kid in Wisconsin, Reggie White with Philadelphia and the anniversary of Reggie White leaving the Eagles in a shocking free agent signing and going to the Green Bay Packers in 1992. And, and Wolf. You remember that. I mean, look, you tell me if this is accurate or not. Guys from your era talk with absolute reverence about two defensive legends who played the game during those years, Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White. Ding, ding. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Paulie, and I got a check because of Reggie White, okay? Just the settlement with the NFL and the whole free agency, and Reggie White was incredible. Think about this. He actually went a four-year contract for $17 million at the time, Paulie. That was 
big, big money back then. And I, I'm talking about Reggie White, of course, the Minister of Defense. I've got so many Reggie White stories. I've told you them over and over and over again. He's a guy I have the utmost respect for, of course. Um, a guy that was a great, great football player and a better dude. Well, and if you go to azcardinals.com, you can see the similarities in stats and accomplishments between J.J. White and, and, and J.J. Watt and Reggie White. And it's just it's amazing, too. I didn't realize that Reggie White at age 37 had a 16-sack season. <laughs> yeah. That's absurd. Yes, Utterly, Paul. That's how ridiculous. good he was. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And you know what else I love about J.J. Watt? And you heard Frank Sanders touch on it a little bit when we asked him about his recollection from the 98 playoff win at Dallas, which was a monumental win in Cardinals history and he cited the pregame speech by Aeneas Williams. Yes. And I yeah. immediately, I immediately thought of JJ Watt and all his intensity and energy and maybe just maybe he can play a similar role for this Cardinals team. Paulie, once again, it's so important. Listen, you, you don't want somebody who's going to be rah 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 rah. You don't want that guy unless he's going to go out there and challenge everybody, including himself first. Unless he's going to go out there and do before he's going to start going, hit him high, hit him low, fight, 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 fight. Right? Instead of that, Paul, you need somebody who's going to do first. That's going to be J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt's going to come into this locker room, come into this paradigm, and prove that he can still ball, prove that he can still play. And then suddenly, he's going to start talking, and people are going to start listening. Just like Rodney Hudson. He's going to come in. He's going to prove he can play. And then people are going to start talking and listening to him talk. Remember what Frank Sanders said? He was in prove mode going to the Ravens. He was looking yes. to murder Ed Reed and Chris McAllister, right? <laughs> you hope it's the same deal for all the Cardinals Legend. players. Yep. Special thanks. Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, and Frank Sanders. Ron Wolfe on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.